Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, I'm stand-up comedian James Mullinger and the co-founder of Edits Magazine. This is Mullinger Meets Canadians, the podcast where we meet Canadians who are making waves on the world stage. In this episode, I'll be speaking with stand-up comedian, actor and radio television host Ali Hassan. Born in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Ali grew up in Montreal, but now rides in Toronto. You'll have heard him guest hosting CBC Radio's Q Show, and he's been the host of CBC's Canada Reads since 2017. Most impressively, he is the host of CBC's Laugh Out Loud, the stand-up showcase show for which Ali travels around the country putting on live shows to deliver millions of listeners around the world, the very best in Canadian stand-up comedy. As a comedian myself living here, I can safely say that it is the most important showcase here that we have. And when my first special aired on the show, it led to a rise in bookings and merch sales on my website that continue to this day. Before lockdown, he was touring his critically acclaimed stand-up solo show, Muslim Interrupted. As an actor, he's appeared in Designated Survivor with Kiefer Sutherland, Goon with Sean William Scott, and on CTV's Cardinal, as well as in Mafia Inc. and my kid's favourite movie this year, My Spy. He's also a chef, a father and a husband. In short, he's the best at everything. Ali is one of my closest friends and without his support, kindness and friendship, I would not have been able to carve out a living here in Canada as a comedian or indeed anything else. As you can tell, I owe Ali a lot. But in the time I've known him, I've never really got the chance to grill him about his life and work. But ultimately, let's face it, that's why I started this podcast. So, here we go. Ali Hassan, how are you, my friend? I'm great. Thank you so much, James. This is nice. This is a nice little catch-up we get to do. This is it. This is, this is, I think this is what podcasts were invented for, for comedians to catch up uh, with people yeah. listening. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a very public exposure of ourselves, uh, but it's also intimate. It's very strange. It, it really walks the line. That's it. Um, so I guess uh, the first question is, Nick, and I don't want to focus too much on on, on the world and, and COVID, but you are one of the busiest uh, comedians, performers, actors I know in terms of the fact, the, 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 the diversity of the things that you do from, you know, uh, hosting radio, doing stand-up tours, um, appearing in movies. Um, how have you uh, found the last few months and, and have you been able to carry on doing what you do? Um, no is the short answer, <laughs> but, but, but also <laughs> I, I'm very, very, uh, I mean, you know, that... Hashtag blessed gets thrown around a little bit too much, but I really do feel an immense uh, amount of gratitude towards the the universe or whoever's out there uh, helping me out and hooking me up because certainly everything was dead in the early days, 
March, April, May. And, you know, like so many people, I had a Just for Laughs Ontario tour I was going to be on. I had this investors group tour I was going to be on. That's, I think, 20 shows around Ontario. Uh, things were looking good for Just for Laughs Montreal. So if I sat and focused on that, I think I would have gone to a bit of a dark place. But the it you know it came down to sort of practice what you preach and my 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 preaching has always been focus on the positive you know that whole that show that i've toured for the last 4 years muslim interrupted was really about yeah you can focus on the differences and there are people who would like you to do that but if we focus on our similarities there are so many more and it's such a a more positive space to be in so i got to spend almost 4 months almost exclusively with my family and while my teenage girls couldn't really probably give a shit about that, I enjoyed it. My boys enjoyed it. You know, my my friend Patrick Hakeem, who I think you know as well, James. Yeah, it's great. Uh, great we went to visit him in a park, you know, early days of the pandemic. And Patrick was like, how are your kids doing? And I said, well, the older two are a little bummed out. They're not in school. They're not with their friends. They're not this. But these guys seem to be unaffected. And it's like an eight-year-old and a five-year-old running around the park screaming and running after each other. He goes, yeah, man, because these guys, they still think you're cool. Right. They're like, wait a minute. We get to not go to school and we get to hang out with these two people? This is amazing. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. That That's yeah. probably true. Yeah, it's the perfect age to be in a in a it's global pandemic lockdown with yeah. dad. It's true. Yeah, it is. So, and I and I felt that too. And my son is in he, heavily involved in soccer. The one who's nine now, and so soccer was done. So we were like trying to be active. We would go to this a uh, hill near our house, and we would run the hills. And so we were getting healthy. And um, yeah, I mean everything was sort of on hold. And then I heard back from Canada Reads. Canada Reads got postponed the the Friday before it was supposed to start on the Monday. There were so many moving parts in trying to make that live event happen in mid-March. And then finally, I guess somebody just said, what the fuck are we doing? This is ridiculous. We can't do this. This is so stupid. We keep trying to adjust. And then so then that was postponed. In my mind, I thought cancelled. But then by July, Canada Reads came back. I was asked to do some drive-in shows for Just for Laughs. And, you know, life started to resemble what it was. And then I, uh, I mean, much to my, much more to my surprise than anybody else's, I got a role on an episode of Murdoch Mysteries. Amazing. Um, Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Some things as a brown guy, you go, look, there's shows I'm never going to be on and that's fine. <laughs> and then you go, no, you know what? These guys are doing some. These guys are doing great work in the in the diversity space. So um, that's happened. Comedy has definitely not come back the way it was. And I was at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival this, you know, just just a few days ago, and that was excellent. But there was no parties. You've been to the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, James. I I, I haven't, so I was going to ask. So, how did the how oh. did the shows work? Were they obviously obviously there were live audiences, and I'm assuming obviously socially distanced. But how did the how did the the festival kind of pivot into the the, the, the new way of doing things? Yeah, well, so, so I would say that the 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 the, the over the overarching uh, sort of philosophy at work is that you had comedians who wanted to perform, desperate to perform, performing for audiences who were desperate to be entertained the same thing i saw at the at the drive-in show just for laughs you know a year ago we would have laughed at a drive-in we're like these are very bad conditions for comedy where's the ceiling 
You know what? This is this is what you call a speaker system. This is insane. And now you're in a pandemic. You're like, you know what? Uh, just point me in the direction of the stage, and I'll get yeah. up. Yeah, I know. It's and, funny. And, it completely changed how we how we looked at stand up. I mean, when I eventually was able to do think kind of outdoor shows, and again, everyone extremely spread out. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, all of the things that we would have always had pegged as the sign of a disaster suddenly yeah. becomes this this environment where we're like, yeah. We can make this work, and I think this is for, for those of us that have been doing it for a long time and spent many years, kind of in the in the trenches of doing you know a lot of mm. bad gigs. Uh, we uh, we're ready for this in some ways. We're ready, uh, but I, I think the the audience is an important element here because it's like it looks like a beggars can't be chooser situation for the for the comedians, but in fact the the audiences are beggars too, quote unquote. Right. You know, I say that in the most respectful way, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> can't afford to lose even one right now. <laughs> I love you. I love you so much. I meant beggars in the best. <laughs> um, no. But, you know, the Burton Cummings Theater in Winnipeg is a, I don't know what, man, like over 1800 seater. It's three stories, three levels, you know. Wow. And then you hear that it's going to be a maximum of 150 people and you go, oh, my God, 150 and 1800. And they're going to be spread out and they're going to be wearing their masks. And, um, yeah, the the... The fact that people want to laugh and they want to go out and they want to feel some of that normalcy that they had, turn it into a great show. Beautiful. It, it, yeah, it was three nights, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, and they were all great shows. The only thing missing, and, and this is something the, you know, the myselfs and the Derek Sagains of the world, we have to wrap our head around, no after parties. Right. And, um, <laughs> you know, some of, us, some of us sort of live for that. You know, yeah. that's uh, when I leave for a festival, my wife goes, try to get some rest so you don't have to also be asleep the entire day when you come back. I'm like, yeah, 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 no, it's going to be different. I'm taking my running shoes. I'm taking my uh, my HST. I'm going to fill out this quarter. She's like, oh, for God's sake, that's just wasted. And sure enough, she's right every single time. Yeah. But the good thing is, is the after parties always end up in a hotel room anyway. So it just means that it's just in a hotel room straight from the gig. Totally, totally. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to bed at four in the morning with ridiculous amounts of uh, uh, liters of alcohol in my system, right? So it's still it's still a punishment to the body, but it is a very convenient elevator ride up or down to the room. You're right about yeah. that. And I mean, I mean, as someone who obviously does so many different things, I mean, that clearly was was of a benefit to you that you know you, your your income and livelihood wasn't entirely just dependent on live performance because of the fact that you are uh, a radio host, an actor, uh, a, a writer, as well as a stand-up. You're all of those things. So uh, as things started to come back, that must have been a, a benefit to kind of have your hands in lots of pies. So much so, you know, I, um, I'm not an investor, but that the, the investing mantra is um, diversify, diversify, right? Eggs in a number of baskets. And I felt like I had diversified myself and I saw the value of it. Um, I, I mean, it was just so clear because the one thing that lasted throughout the pandemic is I did have some radio work. Twice a month, I would go into the CBC Nobody in the CBC. I mean, this is the HQ, downtown Toronto. I would be surprised if even 10% of staff were there. Some people just have to. You know, they're chasing stories for shows and they can't chase at home. They have a two-year-old who's like, I need to wipe my bum. And you're like trying to talk to like a minister. and They just can't, can't work. So some staff definitely needed to be there to do their job. But 
I, I, I wouldn't even, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say there was more cleaning staff in the building than there were actual CBC employees. And um, it was it was surreal going in. I, I would take this, this train, it's called the Up Express. There were five people total spread across three cars of a train. Downtown Toronto, just barren, barren wasteland, really like post-apocalyptic vibes, you know? Yeah, and, it must be. Because uh, in, in New Brunswick, we didn't really notice a difference. Whereas right. in big cities, you would. I mean, obviously we did, but it is funny because obviously, you know, I mean, everyone's kind of distanced here anyway. But it must have yeah. been, it, it, I mean, just felt like you're in a, yeah, in a post-apocalyptic movie, did it? Well, you know, the, um, I know that you're distant because of just the the nature of the geography but also i think um the the wasp identity has never been more beneficial uh to to a population than it has in nova scotia and new brunswick you see you know we went in quebec uh my friend you know people you know frank spadone john paul myself we were out after we did the drive-in shows we went to peel street now peel street you know, four lanes, two of them have been uh, converted into sort of sidewalk tented areas. Last call at 12 instead of 3 a.m. But we got home at 11.10. We have 50 minutes. Two blocks away is Peel Street. Why don't we go have a, a, a drink under the tent? We feel safe. Just for Laughs did a very good job at making us feel constantly safe. This is your chair. Nobody sits in this chair. It's open air. Uh, wear a mask if you're going here, here, here. Felt great. All of a sudden, we sit on Peel Street, and um, the waitress who serves us a beer sees somebody, and Frank Spadone knows this guy as well. He waves to him, and then the waitress goes over and runs over to him, wraps her legs around him, and kisses him all over the face. This is July. This is like peak pandemic. I was like, what? Oh, it must be must be his girlfriend. must be his wife. And Frank goes, no, no, no. His wife and his three kids are at home. That's that's just a waitress he knows. It's unbelievable. Behind us, some other girl is sitting with two friends, and she looks over at the sidewalk. She goes, oh, my God, I haven't seen you in ages. And she runs over to somebody else, and they hug, and they kiss. And I was like, this is a disaster. And I was being very judgmental of Montreal, but it turns out Ontario is not so far behind. But all that kissing on two cheeks and that kind of stuff, I yes. don't think that's helping. <laughs> yeah. Right? You guys that's... in New Brunswick with your uh, your waves at a distance and possibly a handshake, I think it's helped you a ton. Yeah, it's true. I was the only hugger here. And, uh, yes. and they, they thought yes. I was very weird for it. And now I'm, I've stopped. <laughs> so now there's, there's, there's no, no hugging. They, they, they've got it back how they wanted it. <laughs> they've brought that's hilarious this is uh that's the real conspiracy it was to get james mullinger to stop touching no <laughs> touching it. to get this guy to stop touching everyone yes. and uh it's worked <laughs> but um but as you say i mean it's nice that, th- that things are coming back as you say that people are finding ways to make things work i mean you yeah. know for you as a performer being on stage at uh at the drive-in and and at the winnipeg comedy festival with obviously with, with people socially distanced um obviously you're extremely happy to to be there and to be doing the job that you love and the, the job you excel at the audience obviously happy to be there but but how is it different well you know it's the flying that's the most mm. um the uh, momentum kind of thing well you know like when i was going to montreal for just for last they said would you like to fly or a mm. car we can give you a you know a sort of a travel um mm. um but you know what do you i don't even know the words anymore that's how far i am removed (laughs) from my own industry i travel per diem or whatever you want to call it yes yeah 
Uh, and I said, oh, no, I'm not going to fly. It's July of 2020. Of course, I'm not going to fly. Who's flying? And so I, I drove. And uh, once I got to the hotel, I felt very safe. I think hotels cannot afford the least bit of bad press at, at this state. You know, so you you go into your hotel room. Somebody's wiping down the elevator buttons. You come out of your hotel room five minutes later. Another person is wiping down the hotel buttons. You're like, oh, God, I think they're doing their, their due yeah. diligence. Yeah, all, all the shit you wish they had done already, Previously. basically. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I, this, these lessons on cleanliness that should have been part of the day one training are now <laughs> yeah. in COVID I'm, times. But the flights are a little bit different. So, so you're asking me what changed. One thing that changes mm-hmm. is this level of sort of low grade. And for some people, it's higher than low grade. But it, for myself, it's like a low grade stress getting on the flight. Will somebody be sitting near me? Will somebody just have start having a coughing fit on the plane? And then I got to be off for God's sake. Because Air Canada doesn't care. They're trying to pack it in. They're trying to, you know, I hope Air Canada is not a sponsor of your show. But they actually don't care. And um, somebody had told me, yeah, but don't worry, there haven't been any sort of like uh, big events. Um, There haven't been any um, incidences reported where somebody was on a plane and then spread it across a plane. I was like, okay, good. And then I said that to somebody else and they said, oh, no, 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 no. And they sent me the Government of Canada website where you can see every single flight across Canada every day, Vancouver flight, whatever, 450 Toronto to Vancouver, if you were in this flight and seated between rows 13 and 20, go get yourself tested. Uh, Winnipeg, if you were in this flight with this little row, get yourself tested. I'm like, oh my God. So the flying is not fun. I look forward to flying. I I like getting out. I like getting on the road. So there's this low-grade stress. And once you're in the hotel, it's great. It's great. It's great. And then midway through your trip, you're like, oh, God, I got to get on a flight again. You know, and it doesn't help that my daughters are at home saying, maybe Papa shouldn't come home yet. Maybe he should like live in the basement or something. I, <laughs> shouldn't he be quarantining? I'm like, okay, just calm down, everybody. Please. It's nice. They're all trying to just get you to, to hole up in the basement. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing in there, man. There's children's toys and a and a bathroom with a weird smell in it. You know, it's not it's not the lap of luxury that your basement might be. Um, oh so no, my basement's I, a VHS, uh, a, a blockbuster paradise. video shop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've seen the pictures. I've seen the pictures of your your feet up and your nice. Um, you're nice. Uh, I, I, there was a, a big hairy, uh, you know, quilt that your wife had you on you on once. And I said, your wife uh, has really let the pandemic take over. She should probably start shaving her legs. But it turned out to be a big quilt. Uh, but yeah, I've seen the comfort of your ba- basement is incredible. Well, then it's funny you mentioned that because that was, of course, that that photo was um, a picture I sent you j- during lockdown. And you were very much a part. You kept popping up in my lockdown. Well, well first of all, obviously, um, our our Laugh Out Loud episodes were, were being repeated during this time. So I was kind of uh, getting and I'm going to ask you a lot about the, the genesis of, of that show shortly. But I kept you kept popping up on my TV screen. We were binge watching Designated Survivor, which, of course, you appear in. We binge watched Bad Blood. Uh, um, I, I absolutely loved the, the movie mafia inc um and then i'm watching my spy with my children and nothing i love nothing more than being able to say to my kids i know that guy and they 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 don't believe me or uh they think i'm lying but um you, you were in this, this this huge i mean you've been in, in tons of movies but you're in this huge uh american blockbuster my spy uh, t- tell me how that came about and tell me what it's like getting recognized by seven-year-old kids 
Yeah, well, I've uh, I I've been on a number of children's shows as well. There was a show called Odd Squad. Uh, continues right. to be now it's Odd Squad Mobile. I think it was on six or seven episodes. You were delivery that, dog, weren't you? I delivery. was delivery dog, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and then uh, Dino Dana. I was Uncle Ravi. I was the uh, uh, Dana has a father, and I'm the father's brother, and I come and bully him from time to time. And so I jokingly say because I'm on the CBC and I have these kids shows that. You know, I'm, I'm a real hit with the under 10 and over 50 audiences. It's that elusive 11 to 49 group. Where are they? Where? When will they appear? That's, that's but, it. So uh, you, if you walk past the school at closing time, you get mobbed. If you walk past an old people's home, you get mobbed. But in between, it's uh, that's the market that you need to work on. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. Beautiful. I have, I've been at a, a wedding and a, a pack of... Uh, a pack of like four kids approach me and go, are you delivery Doug? And I go, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And then the, the, the girl, sort of the alpha leader goes, it's pretty much my favorite show. So I know who you are. I'm like, Oh geez. You know, it's like, it's not like, Oh my God, it's delivery Doug. It's like, you better tell us who you are right now, old man. Cause we know, we know. Don't think you're hiding from us. So it's not even with the young kids. Sometimes you're still being attacked. Yeah. Being treated with any respect. But yeah, no, I, 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 you were asking about how my spy came about, Yeah, man, I don't even know how anything comes about mm-hmm. brother. I just, I'll tell you something, mm-hmm. you know, much has been spoken about this. Uh, there's a great Jason Bateman, Mark Marin interview where he talks about this, the, the, the key to, to making it in acting mm-hmm. is to not give a shit. I mean, huh. and, and, and you can't act that. You can't pretend that. And it's not that I don't give a shit. It's that, I'll tell you something. I, my goal uh, many years ago was to be on the Food Network. It was the overarching goal. It was my singular focus in life. And uh, I just, I would watch the Food Network and I'd be like, I can do that. I can do it in a funnier way. I can be, and it was, I was very naive there's a lot going on when you're hosting a food show, especially when you're hosting a show where you're cooking at the same time. For sure. And you are you're, a chef. I should, I should point out. I, mean, I am. My, so I have a, you yes. know, over a decade no, but, worth of a catering and cooking yes. and, uh, under my belt. And that's right. That was my passion. Food was my passion. Your passion and, and your business. on the food right? network. And yeah, my business. And you, and, that's right. And so, yeah, you knew that you could bring, you knew you had the, you had the clout as a, as a chef and you're a comedian and performer. And the two things, of course, of course, those two things should go together of course you should be on the sure. food network yeah now that said they do take work it's not like you know so it's like somebody who's very funny in their basement with their two friends now saying i want to do stand-up it's like it doesn't exactly translate that so obviously there was work involved but i was so hungry and desperate to be on the food network every audition i'm sure i reeked of that desperation i was following up after the phone would ring i'd be like hello food network oh mom i'm expecting a call you know what i mean like very very pathetic like constantly thinking my chances around the corner and i'm gonna show them and this and that and i look back on that time with with a with shame you know i was just so pathetic and and it shows people read that and they go ugh. you know the same thing in a you know, I remember a friend of mine telling me, like, I don't want to date that guy. I said, oh, I, th- I know that guy's interested in you. And my friend Shona goes, I would never date him. And I said, why? And she said, Al, he he kneeled down on the road and tied my shoes for me when my <laughs> shoelace was untied. 
I go, that's a good thing, though. She goes, that's not a good thing. That's pathetic. I was like, oh, okay. So I was that guy. I was the kneel down and sh- tie shoelaces. Well, it's the same with stand-up, right? If the audience can tell that we are desperate and, and want it and need it, and that really is the is the art of all, almost all creative fields, is shedding that that neediness. And, Getting and, and, to the point. Yeah. yeah you have to it. get to that point where it looks effortless and you don't look nervous and you look like you're just coming up with this stuff on the uh, off the cuff. So the problem with acting uh, is, is that people are desperate everywhere. And I vowed to myself that I'm never going to go back to that food network desperate guy. And so, and and I'm genuinely not. When I go into the acting room, I'm like, you know, I'll do my best, but you give it to me or don't give it to me. I don't care. I've got a CBC identity. I've got stand-up. I've Mm. got stand-up that I love. And I've got four kids. You know, I got (laughs) stuff. I have stuff going on. I don't need this. This is not my overarching singular focus. And that in itself has helped me Many, many times. I'm sure. Many, many times. Yeah. I mean, I think people send in their auditions like they're going professional green screen. They're paying $65 to record it with somebody. Then they're putting all the graphics at the beginning. Uh, Ali Hassan, this is my agent. This is my number. You know, like they're putting all this information. I recorded in my puke yellow colored kitchen with my wife as a reader. And I send it in with no extra information and man, I, like my wife and I have a, a great rate. I don't know. I, I like we're we're really we're 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 moving along at a pretty good ratio. Yeah, it's you know it's, it used it, to be like people would say you got to get you, if you get one out of thirty auditions, uh, that's pretty good. I mean, with my wife at the helm, I think I get one out of ten. It's wow. insane. That's it. That's, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's an incredibly high hit rate. And as you say, I mean, it really is the. It is the secret to, I mean, you know, no no painter can really focus on a great painting if they're sat there full of, of, of desperation to, to finish this painting or, or make it a great one. I mean, I, I read something about how Dominic West, when he auditioned for McNulty in The Wire, his partner had backed out of kind of reading the lines. So in the end, he just kind of set up a camera and basically just read his own lines and left a gap where the other person's lines right. were. And they were like, this is so ridiculous. We've got to give it to this guy. And... and, uh, and and similarly, I mean, I watched a documentary yesterday with Nicholas Winding Refn about the Pusher films and how obviously he, a lot of the cast of those were, were kind of non-actors. And he's constantly saying to them, you know, stop thinking about the lines. You're thinking too much about them. You just need to to do them and then you'll feel them. And it's it's, it's fascinating that that, I'm sure, is a technique that, that you use. I mean, when you're in the kitchen, you don't want to be panicking and stressing. You want to be focus on the job at hand but not worrying on stage uh you don't want to be desperate because the audience as we said the audience can smell desperation like shit on a toothbrush it's this kind of you know and and I mean, you must have the same thing when you're hosting the the q show you you're speaking to these superstars in the world it wouldn't help you if you felt nervous no and i, I in fact i do have something which is weird uh, you know i really don't get starstruck um and and what happens is i get a little bit too casual sometimes like it's it it doesn't like i i feel like it it has even thrown people off where they're like do i know you like are we i feel like i know you from somewhere because of the way you spoke to me you know what i mean like it's it's kind of a weird thing there but i i don't get star Star trek at the end of the day everybody's a human being that's that's the way i look at it so i don't go oh my god i can't believe i'm going to be you know um, there is sometimes there's a bit of a trip in your mind where you have to compute, like, hold on a second. I grew up watching Kiefer Sutherland and now I'm standing across from Kiefer Sutherland in an acting scene. You know, that took a bit of a, that took one take where I was like, this is crazy surreal. And then I was like, I was out of it. I was like, that's fine. 
They start talking to him like a normal human being and uh, talking about his grandfather, asking him how well did you know him because you know he was a uh, he was the the, the father of uh, of uh, you know socialism in Canada and. Uh, talking about his dad and, you know, Lost Boys, what was that like? But but not in an interviewee style, but more like casual, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's very interesting. I always think back to this woman, uh, Jackie McClintock from Montreal, God, God rest her soul. I took a Meisner acting class with her. Meisner is a technique, Sanford Meisner, really about being in the moment, you know, to, 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 to summarize, summarize it very, very loosely. Um, but she used to... We would be in a scene, uh, a scene partner and myself would be in a scene and she would be looking out the window. She wouldn't be looking at us. Arms crossed, looking out the window and she would be like, acting, you're acting. And it was a bad thing. And I'd be like, what the fuck is this lady talking? I'm here for an acting class. Of course I'm acting. And during the classes I took with her, I just took two, but in those two classes, you know, you learn that. The art of acting is acting like you're not acting. You shouldn't seem like you're acting. It's about getting to a natural place. And I think it's not easy. It's not easy. You have to naturally sort of just be kind of relaxed, you know, and call in mockery. And this is the, the most amazing, you know, improv master, top of the improv game was on whose line is it anyway for years. And uh, I was like, how do you prepare backstage before you guys are going to go on for improv and he said uh, I usually eat a sandwich and I was like no 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 but I mean like mentally emotionally what do you do and he goes yeah eat a sandwich I I, I know what you're asking me and I, I eat a sandwich I'm like how does that help you he goes because it clears my mind and that's what I need to do improv well I have to be completely open and completely relaxed Amazing. Yeah, and, it's uh, so true. I was it's like, that's probably good advice for many people outside <laughs> of the improv world, you know? Yeah. Well, it is, as you say, I mean, it, it does, it applies to not only any creative field, but, but almost any industry. I mean, overthinking things is the curse of all creativity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My own, you know, we, we people say this jokingly, oh, I, I didn't hand it in, sir. I didn't hand in my paper because I'm a perfectionist and I, I needed it to be absolutely perfect, you know. But uh, it's true that the perfectionism uh, and people's, you know, overthinking and overanalyzing and all that will will often stunt creativity. And, and many things in my life have not gotten done because I just wasn't happy with how it looked at the beginning and then didn't continue with it. Right, that's true. Yeah, um, it was funny. We mentioned we mentioned them um, laugh out loud briefly there. I mean, you've of course been the you've been the the, the host and the moderator of CBC's Canada Reads since since 2017, which of course got you this kind of whole other fan base. I mean, did that? Did you find that there were uh, people then coming to to see live shows who had uh, become kind of invested in you as a person as the host of Canada Reads? Absolutely, and I think that's the that's the great great blessing of what I'm doing you know it's like everything feeds everything right you know every single thing I do acting people be like who is that guy oh they may come to a stand-up show they come to a stand-up show they're like oh he does this I'll go see him there and then you know they see hear me on the radio and they say oh I like that guy he does this let's see him oh I know his name you know and it all feeds itself Uh, everything feeds everything uh, like I, I always bring up uh, Nelson, B.C. because it's one of my favorite places in Canada. And it was just a wonderful 
experience. I went there on a long weekend. It was the May, you know, Victoria Day long weekend. Uh, honoring one of yours, James. Yes, and, uh, we, uh, you know, a lot of people just get the hell out of town, you know, a long weekend and it's like a Saturday of a long weekend and I'm going to Nelson. I know nothing about Nelson. I've never met anyone who's even been to Nelson in my mind, you know, I, I, I'm, and I'm driving, you know, through these basically, you know, a, a, a highway cut through rocks you know the highway's not even meant to be here and the gps is like nelson five kilometers i was like i don't think so nelson two kilometers i'm like tapping my gps i'm like what this that's not actually and you just come around a curve and boom on the side of the mountain is this amazing town just nestled in the side appears out of nowhere from the highway beautiful on the water and there's skiing right nearby i didn't go in winter but like you could see the hills are there it's all these hippies and draft draft dodgers who made their life there in the 60s 70s 80s and it's like this cool town and i'm like who's gonna come see me here anyway it was like i i think it was a 450 seater and 350 people showed up um on a long weekend in a city where i know nobody didn't even do any promo. There's no like, uh, good morning, Nelson. You know what I mean? There's no morning television show where I could promote. I might've had a, a, an ad in a local paper or something. And I, and then a standing ovation, man. I don't get those very often. I mean, it was really like, it's the best town. And all I can say is that is because of CBC. It has to be, it has to be, you know, it's just people are like, yeah. Um, oh, and, and also it's, it's also because, you know, CBC listeners, we we make fun about, you know, older, you know, the older C- listeners. But I, I have to I, I have to not make fun of that because those are my fans. Those are my right. people who come out. They have disposable income. They have time on their hands. They appreciate <laughs> the arts. That's and that, exactly. it's a perfect trifecta. And then there they are. Man, I once in Edmonton, I've gotten two standing, three standing ovations, <laughs> once in Moncton. <laughs> Um, it's a very it's a very touching uh, show. You know, Muslim interrupted. My comedy doesn't get a standing ovation. Nobody gives a shit about my my jokes. But but my <laughs> show, which is a funny show, uh, but also very you know endearing and heartwarming. Yeah, Nelson, Moncton, and Edmonton. Now Edmonton, it was it was a, the second time the second time I had done it in Canada. I did a run in Edinburgh, and then I did Muslim interrupted in Calgary. During a very weird, like, uh, you know, Trump had just been inaugurated in January of 2016. And I do, I'm in Calgary that night. The next night I'm in Sherwood Park. Never even heard of Sherwood Park. It's a suburb of Edmonton. And it's very, it's older people. I've never seen this. I've never, I didn't have a fan base. I did, this is 2016. First time doing the show. A lot of older people. I was like, well, one guy had a cane with with you know the three prongs like you basically it's like a cane on top of your cane oh, a yeah. cane for your yeah. cane did he have a monocle just, in as well he did have a monocle he had uh, but he needed he basically needed a walker like he but he had this like a three prong cane this tripod he was walking and and he stood up at the end with great difficulty to give me a standing ovation along with a hundred other people in a room in Sherwood Park. And I, that's the one time I thought I was going to cry on stage. I was like, I, I'm not worthy. What's happening here? This is crazy. This is too crazy. So these are my fans. These are my people, yeah. you know, the CBC has like, and, and, you know, sometimes I think about like, God damn it. I really want to tweet something. I want to post something that's like biting and edgy and, and has got a meanness to it. And I go, Nope. 
Sherwood yeah. Park, Alberta, but it cannot <laughs> do anything to jeopardize this this weird, wonderful world that that, that I'm living in and that I've somehow created. You know, um, that's it. Because yeah, it, but it's but it's a wonderful thing that that CBC does, where it creates this it creates this kind of club almost, which is incredible for a, a national kind of government broadcaster to kind of have this you know to have this. Um, inclusive nature where people feel like they're in this this kind of club um also that people for the most part are, are proud of it like i mean of course there's the occasional kind of right winger the whatever else but but not like like in england there isn't really a pride for the bbc or a love for it no huh? um and there's, okay th- yeah there isn't a well, kind that's... of a loyalty and yeah sorry can yeah no well this is very interesting what you're saying uh, to the point uh, your your point is is so spot on that i have said um, you know, I haven't traveled abroad since uh, I've been working at the CBC the same way. But like you know, when, you, when I was a, you know, backpacking in Europe 20 years ago, the conventional wisdom was, hey, make sure you put your Canada flag on your backpack. But over the last five years, I was like, way better for me personally would be to put a CBC badge on my backpack. Now you narrow it down to what I consider the best of Canada, right? We still have plenty of Canadian assholes. That Canada flag still might attract some dipshit from Lethbridge, Alberta. It was like, ah, fucking, let's do some heroin. I mean, I don't know, you know, but uh, when you put the CBC logo on. You're not going to get a standing ovation there now after you said that. Listen, (laughs) the funny thing is that we tried to book me in Lethbridge and the booker was like, I'm sorry, we're just not a CBC town. So I'm, I'm clear. Lethbridge yeah. is my, yeah. they don't want me, I don't want them. Exactly. It's clear, yeah. <laughs> but yes, it's a good point. Uh, the CBC logo is essentially the, the the Canadian flag of good Canadians. Yeah, I think so. I think that's it. And you, you said it's a club, and I really feel like it's the most informal and special club to be part of you if i was in france and i saw somebody with a david suzuki t-shirt or that old school you know cbc logo from the 80s immediately i would not be able to help myself we would be having a conversation there's no doubt about it it's so true and and i mean the and the other show of course that you're known for which has been going for many many more years is is laugh out loud which uh, not only is of course uh, how many people know you but also uh, equally as importantly, the way in which you have introduced uh, so many performers to uh, Canada through that show and Canada and globally, because I mean, I know it is listened to um, all over as a as a podcast. But um, given that there are less opportunities for uh, comedians in Canada, you know, that is pretty much that's the spot where most people are, are kind of breaking out into doing this as a, as a full time professional job. Do you, do you feel that 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 love from people that that, that it is? In in many ways, career making. Again, it's not it's 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 not like a Hollywood career making, but it's but it's uh, it's career making in that you can go full time when you've done Laugh Out Loud. Well, I no, I don't feel that at all, James. Oh. And um, <laughs> you, well, no, but, you you yeah, are one of the but, few people who is hyper aware of the power of Laugh Out Loud. You know, I was watching right. a lot of people at one point. Yeah. I don't know if your listeners will be aware of this, but. You know, Sirius XM was going to cancel a show that plays a lot of Canadian performers and they get these sound exchange checks. And, you know, I was sort of quietly sitting, my boss, Tracy, and my producer, myself, we were quietly sitting in the sidelines saying, you know, we've been doing this promotion and payment of comedians for many years. Yeah, it's not the same amount, but the James Mullingers of the world know that if you have an album and you have it prominently placed on your website, 
I will go out of my way to tell people that was James Mullinger. You can find more of him at jamesmullinger.com. And if they liked your set, they can go there. I mean, I'm, I'm still dealing with comedians who are on Laugh Out Loud and I'm messaging them a week before and I'm like, uh, hey man, it looks like you don't have a website. Is that true? That can't be right. Yeah, man, can you just... Uh, can you just guide them to my Instagram page <laughs> at made by Johnny 69 what the fuck, underscore. Man? Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, like it's, there are people who will take charge of their career right. and there are people who aren't as able to do that. Right. And the ones who do take charge are the ones who benefit from every opportunity that's out there. And I think laugh out loud is an incredible opportunity. We've been promoting Canadian co comics, you know, who's who, some of these guys are not able to leave Victoria, but they're incredibly funny. And we go to Victoria, B.C. and we record. And now all of Canada and the world, there's over two million listeners to this show. And I don't think people can fully appreciate that. You, you just got an international stage. Now, does it make you an international superstar? It doesn't. It's There's no direct path like that. But it can help your sales. It can help your profile. It is a great credit to have. Yeah. No, well, I mean, I, I do. I do hear it, obviously, from other comedians who have, who have, of course, you know, benefited from it. I mean, for me, you know, when I, when I first did it and it first aired, you know, I would say more so than any other thing that I've ever done. It, I got, you know, dozens of, 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 of messages kind of that night. And then every time it kind of plays again, it happens. But also invariably... One of the number one things people say to me when they come up to me after a show or in the street or wherever it is that you, you meet people, um, it's that I heard you on CBC Laugh Out Loud, and it's just and it's one of those things that that I I know from for myself. I mean, was you know always generates uh, CD sales, which again in the in the Canadian entertainment industry, selling a fifteen dollar CD on your website that's a good day. So yeah. Um, yeah, uh, sure. it's uh, it's it is one of those things that that, that changes, and again, unlike in other places like England and America where there are hundreds of shows like this there is just the one here and and it's mm, what and it's right. what uh you know and pe people do embrace it yeah and i mean it it may surprise you may not surprise you i have uh, i have gone to cities to record laugh out loud my producer tracy will send out an uh, a, a one pager it's just one page it's just one page here are the do's here are the don'ts please don't bring up Gian Gameshi. Please don't do any Hitler jokes. People hear Hitler, they, they whether it's a good joke or not, you know, blah, blah. please don't do this. Please don't swear. Please don't shit on the CBC. It feels it feels weird to, you know. So anyway. Yeah. One comedian, you know, so you whatever the payday was that day. Yeah. Was 500 bucks and then you get paid more every time it airs and then you get paid, you know, personally it it helps you. This comedian did both a Hitler joke and the punchline of one, of a three-minute joke he had. The payoff was the word tits. The word tits was in his punchline, and then he did a callback. And it was like, man, we can never air this. Yeah. All yeah. you had to do was air, read one page. Yeah. Because now you're... And he went short on time. So it was like, please do 12 to 15. He did 11. We got to cancel four minutes of your 11 because it's tits and a callback to tits. That's gone. And the Hitler joke is gone. So now we're going to air your five-minute set somewhere. That's not how it works. 12 to 15 was what was asked. So there are people who just squander the opportunities too. And I'm like, all right, well, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. You, you do you, you know, best of luck. But everyone's on their own journey at different stages of their career, you know. But I think um, I think people would do well to 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 see 
the models that are out there, like the one that you've created and Steve Patterson, Sugar Sammy, I, I, I always looked at, in fact, I think this is what has saved me so many times and, and, and allowed me to remain focused. I always looked up and, and I looked at, you know, aspirational. I'm not looking to my side beside me and being like, what's my dumb friend who knows as much or as little as I know doing? And sometimes on Facebook is a perfect example. There'd be some war, some local beef in the Toronto comedy community. And I'd be like, well, I got to weigh in here. I got to weigh in. I got to say something. This is ridiculous. And then as my fingers go to the keyboard, I think, what would Deborah DiGiovanni do right now? What would Sugar Sammy do? What would Steve Patterson do? And you know what they would do? Nothing. Nothing. They would never lower themselves to get involved in some local beef about something, you know, three days from now will be inconsequential. So I've really channeled the best of the best. And you are absolutely one of those guys as far as a professional goes. So people should look up to what you do. You're a model. Like the models are out there and you're absolutely one of them, James. And well, you'll yeah. be surprised how few there are who are well, doing that. You know? th that means a lot coming from you. And and, and obviously you're, you're someone that I've you know admired for, for many, many years and appreciate as, a, as an artist and, and a friend. So to hear that from you really does, really does mean a lot. And I think, I think part of why you have this incredible um insight and this incredible way to connect with people i mean you've 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 obviously lived an incredible life you've done many jobs but also i mean you were born in new brunswick uh, grew up in quebec and and now live in ontario what do you think that does to a person's brain <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny you know i'm i don't know if people think about this as much as i do mm -hmm. but i often think about the what if you know, that, that, that sort of butterfly effect con concept where it's like, you know, my dad was in Leeds, England, and he applied to two places. One was a, was a university or a college in New Jersey, and one was the UNB in Fredericton, New Brunswick. He applied at both to be a lecturer and a, um, a PhD student. Um, both places, no, he applied probably far and wide, but those were the two places that accepted him. I think that's the way I should say it. Those were the two accept. And one family member goes, you know what? Go to Canada. Canada is, Canada is better. What if that conversation had never happened? I could have grown up in New Jersey. Who would I have been? What kind of guy? Well, I'm sure I still would have loved Bon Jovi and, and Bruce Springsteen, but who I, I, I'm fascinated by that thought. I'm almost consumed by it sometimes. Same thing goes for New Brunswick. One conversation with my dad. He's a lecturer at the UNB. They love New Brunswick, my parents. But his friend, Uncle Zia, I call him Uncle Zia. Uh, Uncle Zia says, you know, right now in Quebec, they are starting something called the Sejep system. This is the mid-70s, you know, and they're looking for a lot of teachers. And so my dad, my mom, knowing zero French, knowing nothing about Quebec, Decided, okay, let's make a start. My mom gets a job at Dawson College. My father gets a job at uh, Dawson College. And uh, and they made a life there. What if that conversation had never taken place? I would have been a New Brunswicker. I would have been like in the audience watching James Mullinger's shows going, this guy's good. I wonder if I could have ever done comedy. I mean, it's just crazy to me. It's insane. One conversation just shapes your entire life. So I'm, I'm consumed by these thoughts, not in a negative way at all. I just... If anything, it just makes me so grateful how, you know, because it, there are people's lives 
if they if they want to break down, geez, where did it all go wrong? Yeah. You could also probably trace it to one conversation, you know? So uh, had that one guy not been in that one alley and offered me that one bag of cocaine, <laughs> uh, things might have been different. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it's, it's good. hard to know like uh, where everything could have gone, but I love thinking about it. Yeah, and well, again, I mean, you, I mean, you, you're a thinker, which is important, but also, I mean, in this business where you know you're constantly trying to trace back, how did this come about? How did I get this? How did how did this part of my life turn out that way? Uh, it's inevitable. That's where our minds go, and pe- people wonder what what comedians are, th- are thinking about at five o'clock in the morning. It's that. Yeah. Well, I also I, I think about those things also from one other um, one other perspective, which is a perspective of gratitude. Mm-hmm. I have always been very turned off by people who don't give credit where credit's due. I've really and I mean, I mean, even a hockey player like a defenseman does all the hard work, brings the puck up gets bounced around, nailed against the boards, and then finally a tiny little pass to, you know, some forward who scores, and then that's the guy who scored circles around like an asshole going, yeah, I'm the best. I'm like, hey, man, can you at least point at your teammate and recognize the work that just went in to get, you know, I'm, like I've always been like this. I'm like, credit where credit's due, for God's sake. Um, and it's it's no different in my own life. You know, I, I like to think about the people who gave me opportunities. And I'm sure some of them I don't even think about. And they're sitting there going, you know, he never mentions me, but I took him on the road with me for this. But there are those people who really were just whatever. They saw something that they could work with or nurture or reward and uh, and and I you know it, it makes me be that person as well and try to be like I think this is somebody I can you know help out they, it would be worth it to help them out and it would feel good so I don't do it for the recognition or the gratitude but man it, and it goes to everything if somebody's like uh, you know hey man can I pick your brain for 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 for, for five minutes and it winds up being an hour it's a young comedian picking my brain. And then they they leave and I've, you know, I've spent 30 bucks on beers while they picked my brain. I'm like, eh, you know what? Would have been nice. They paid for the beers or offered to pay for the beers. But if that person is like, no, 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 Ali, here, I'll pay for your beer. I'm like, no, no, absolutely not. I'll pay for mine and yours. Just the gratitude, just the fact that they were willing to pay turns my head around completely. And now I'll spend 60 bucks just because I'm like, good kid, good person. I liked it. I like what just happened there, you know? So I'm, uh, this is my maniacal nature in my head that that gratitude is very important both ways, I think. Well, that's beautiful and inspiring. And I would expect nothing less from you as a person who is uh, (laughs) loved by your, by your children or the younger ones, at least Uh, your wife, your fans, your fellow comedians love you and, uh, and your, your fan base of both movies and and radio love you. So thank you so much for your time and insights and your friendship, Ali. I really mean that. Me too, man. We, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, right now St. John is like the one that got away. You know, we've we've had <laughs> plans to make it happen, and I know. we will. We will one day. Um, now it's not even about my desire. It's I have to wait for New Brunswickers to be ready to accept from someone from Toronto to fly in. You know, you that's can't it. Be, you can't be too open to that idea right now. So no. one day we will do it. It is really this 
the, this 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 one that's just looming there. We had we've had dates booked, we've had locations booked, we've had shows we were going to go do together, and uh, or, or ones that you were like, yes, absolutely do this venue, and I will promote you. I will help uh, get the word out and. It still hasn't it's, happened, but it, well, it will. It's going to happen. And also, I mean, this is the good time for you to bring out the your birth certificate born in New Brunswick. This is the time. Yes, they are exactly. they are going to be more amenable to, <laughs> to letting you in. And uh, and yeah, I mean, that was well, one of the big fun things we had. It's funny you say that. <laughs> one of the worst moments I ever had on stage was when I brought out my, uh, my, my, my figurative birth certificate. I didn't know much about New Brunswick. I hadn't been, and I invited to Moncton to the Hubcap Comedy Festival, and I said to this crowd of people in Moncton, I said, and in my mind, I was like, "This is going to go very well, ladies and gentlemen." I was born in, wait for it, Fredericton, New Brunswick, and they just <laughs> stared at me like, "Who gives a shit?" And I was like, "What the? I thought it was going to be carried around on their shoulders out into the parking lot." They could not have given a shit. And yeah, um, it was very it. funny. So, so I don't think talking about my Fredericton connection will help me get to St. John necessarily. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, right. we'll talk loosely about New Brunswick and my love that, for New Brunswick. I think that's the way it'll go. That's the safest way to do it. And I, uh, I, I've made the same <laughs> mistakes and learned from them. And uh, they, they might be known as being the friendliest people here, but they are unless you have an affiliation with one of the other towns or cities and then they hate you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That was a bad moment. That was a bad moment on stage. But anyway, uh, God love the Maritimes. They always have a, a, a soft spot in my heart, and I, I hope to see you again soon, James. Definitely, brother. Thank you very much, Ali. Have a great day. You too, man. Thank you for listening to Mullinger Meets Canadians. If you like greatness, creativity, being inspired, laughing, or just love Canada as much as I do, then this is the podcast for you. So please do subscribe and review the show now. And be sure to follow Ali Hassan on Twitter and Instagram at StandUpAli. Check out his website at StandUpAli.com and download current and past episodes of Laugh Out Loud from iTunes, Apple Podcasts or the CBC app. Further details can be found on the Edit website, MaritimeEdit.com. Thanks for listening to Mullinger Meets Canadians. I'll see you next time. Podstarter. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.